Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And I'm AJ Casada. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you would like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. Today, I'm really, really excited because I have my good friend, Mike Koziel here, who's going to walk us through the 27 power activities to scale any agency. I'll let Mike give an intro, but yeah, really quick, like I've known Mike for a little about a year and a half ago. A mutual friend introduced us. He actually used to be a guest coach for uh, the Cat Howell program back then. So that's how Anisha got connected to him. And yeah, he's doing some really awesome stuff. You know, Mike not only helps agencies and solopreneurs, consultants scale revenue, but he also helps focus on helping them increase profit margins, get more free time, and really more like build a sustainable business, which is something that you, you know we're, we're big into. So Mike's done some amazing work. He's got a really awesome workshop to, to go on today, and we're going to chat back and forth about it. But um, yeah, without further ado, welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you for having me. And I'm very excited, very excited to be here, very excited to chat again. It's always a pleasure yeah. and uh, excited to share what I, what I have found and the power activities. It's just uh, a result of working with hundreds and hundreds, over 800 agencies that we worked with. You know, people are, were always asking me, like, what do we do then? Like, is there a common denominator of like, what should we be focusing on? So then I looked at all the agencies we worked with, and then I identified those 27 activities divided by three kind of levels of growth or revenue per month. Because, you know, what you do at a five to, you know, five to 25K per month is completely different to what you should be doing when you're, you know, at 50 or 75 or 100, 150K per month. I know people are like, what am I supposed to do? You know, the sold, you know, all those, all those other things I, you know, People tell me to do this and did that, and I'm like, what do I do? Right. So that's mm-hmm. how I came up with this kind of roadmap. I call it the scaling roadmap to keep my clients focused, you know, the agencies focused on what they really should be supposed to, to be looking at. So it's pretty powerful. It's funny how the basic tools and basic approaches often have the highest return on mm-hmm. implementing them, right? So you guys will see it's a it's a Google Sheet with 27 boxes. <laughs> but um, yeah, but anyway, that's what it is. Yeah. Awesome. No, I really love everything you said. And I think, um, yeah, definitely excited to see how you think the activities are different at each stages. Because yeah, we have people on here that are starting agency, starting, you know, B2B business, maybe at like, you know, just under 10K a month. And then we have people that seven, eight figure companies too. So I think it's really right. cool to see like, what do you focus on each step is I find that's often, and I'll have to find cyber, but that's like the hardest part is just knowing what do I focus on? What do I do? Right. Just think about how we all have the same amount of time in a day. Like the only thing that's really different than you and someone who's way ahead of you is that they've done different things with their time, right? So like that's right. the name is just what what am I focusing on? What activities am I going to do that are going to bring me forward, right? 100%. And you know what? It's it's funny. I don't know who said this, but someone said, if you focus on the wrong things, no matter how hard you work, you work on the wrong thing, right? So it's crucial to really be laser focused on the things that will move the needle. But then how do I know which which those are, right? So there's multiple tools for how to identify those. But um this kind of worksheet and this workshop is an attempt to give you guys a blueprint. And obviously every blueprint has its benefits and its disadvantages. The benefit is that you have a blueprint to follow. Kind of disadvantage is that it puts you in a box and you have to, you know, business is flexible. Business is not, you know, you're not operating in a silo. So you have to apply a little bit of your knowledge and your insights and your decision-making and managerial decisions of like, well, is this really applicable to me or not? So that's a quick caveat to it. For the most part, you know, I would say most of the agencies that we work with, needed to go through exactly the same steps. So I shouldn't recommend that you pay attention to those elements and yeah, we'll walk you through it, how to use it and what it is. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, today's workshop is going to be super, super actionable. Like you guys can all just take a couple of these activities that make sense for you and just go act in them like right away. So yeah, really, really looking forward to this. So um, let's dive into it. And just also really quick, in case anyone doesn't know, you want to just give a quick, like just who you are, like how you got into this space uh, before we dive right. into it? Yeah, sure. So my weird accent comes from the fact that um, I'm Polish. <laughs> Polish, I live in Canada, in Vancouver. It's pretty gloomy today. So once it starts raining here, it doesn't stop for six months. So it's just started raining. I'm actually a lawyer by profession and did my MBA as well, but like I was doing fraud investigations. So I needed to understand the business and how the business works and, and when the money is flowing out. This kind of work is pretty, pretty <clears throat> dark. You know, you kind of fire people, find the bad things on them. You know, you read the emails, read the text messages, see what they do and all that stuff. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm burnt out. I don't want to do it. It's like 80 hours per week. And then I, I was like, well, how can I apply my skills of understanding the business and auditing the business into more creative and kind of fun? colorful, sexy way. And this is where I was like, oh, well, maybe I will, instead of finding problems in, you know, as in like money's coming out and, you know, finding fraudsters, what if I help them, you know, change the strategy, right? So this is how I started my first marketing and consulting agency back in Poland. Then I started another one in Canada. Then I was a part in one in the US and we scaled them really fast. So people started asking me, cut how long, including, you know, so I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? So I started coaching for others. People are starting asking me questions like, shit, maybe that's a, maybe that's a business for me, you know, because I love consulting, I love helping people. So this is how I will move from being a lawyer, MBA, you know, fraud investigator to consultant to working with agencies. And now I work with broader aspect, a broader kind of spectrum of, of clients, consultants, freelancers, you know, coaches, all the jazz, you know, you guys know what, what yeah. it is. That's in a nutshell what I do. And yeah, I helped quite a few agencies scale and it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. Awesome. No, I can definitely see how that, that skills translates to consulting, but that's definitely, um, yeah, big switch from going from a lawyer to online business now. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I don't, I never liked, like my, my dad is a lawyer, my mom is a lawyer, my sister's a lawyer. So mm -hmm. I was like, you know, you don't really have an option at home. You know, you can be either a lawyer or doctor, right? So it's like, okay, fine, I'm going to be a lawyer. But I was never really interested in becoming a lawyer. I always wanted to have business. So really excited to be doing this right now. And uh, it's been a quite a nice, fun transition for me. Yeah, awesome. I'd love to hear it. Well, um, yeah, you have access to your screen now so we can get into that worksheet. And also, if anyone's listening to this on the podcast, on the How to Scale an Agency podcast, there's a worksheet Mike's sharing, but I will put a link below so you can actually kind of follow along or you could always watch it in our Facebook group where we're streaming this live and you can watch the video to go along with it. Perfect. So this is it, guys. This is the 27 power activities. Like all my worksheets are pretty terrible. I should probably hire a designer, but I'm pretty proud of this one, of the content of it. So I'm going to explain to you, like, first of all, how to read this. And then we'll just go through all these steps, right? So we have the, the three levels of growth, right? So we have the foundations. Foundations is 5 to 25K. We have the growth part, which, which is 25 to you know 50-ish K. And then we have 50 to 100 plus per month, right? So obviously, like these brackets, 5 to 25, they're quite you know, flexible. This is just that we're trying to put you know you in a, in a bracket. Sometimes you might, you know, you're at 23 and you have to already do these things or you're at you know, 27 and you still shouldn't be doing those things, right? So you have to apply again that your common sense to whether, you know, what makes sense for your business. But it's in general, those are the, the elements or those, those are the categories, right? So 525, 25, 50, 50 to 100, right? If you're just starting out, obviously you, you would start here as well, right? So if you do zero to 25, and then you see two arrows here, left and right, right? So this one starts with organic and ends with paid, and this one starts with you and ends with team. And so I'm going to explain what it means as well. As we go up with our monthly revenue, we move away from organic a little bit more to paid advertising and paid lead generation, right? When you're just starting out, you don't really have the resources, you don't have money to spend on paid. 
money is an accelerator of whatever you're doing organically, right? So if you can spend more money on something that's already working, then that's great. But as you are starting out, there's no money in the business, right? So you're not doing that. And also this side of things, you start with doing, you know, usually start yourself, right? You have a VA, maybe, you know, someone who's helping you a little bit, but you start with you. And then as you grow through these, you know, to the 25, 50K, you start building the team, right? You start hiring help. And that's very, very important. The sooner you can do that, the sooner you can, the, the, the faster you can actually grow, right? Because you don't have to work in the business yourself, you work on the business, which is the point. And then we have three kind of brackets here, right? So we have the growth and sales, we have growth and scale, we have the lead generation, marketing and sales, and then we have ops delivery, right? So these activities fall under grow and scale, these activities here fall under lead generation, marketing and sales, these here fall under operations and delivery, okay? So three brackets here, three brackets when it comes to money and your profits and revenue, right? Now, each of these activities, again, it's kind of like a matrix, it's a 3D matrix, right? So we have the one dimension, second dimension here, and the third dimension is each of those activities fall under one of three categories. It's either cost optimization, sales, or efficiency. And I'm just gonna expand on this query quickly. To increase or improve your profitability in your business, you have three kind of dials to turn, if you will. Dial number one, you can increase your prices, right? You can increase your prices, you can you can scale your business by selling more, but you can only increase your prices so so high. Like there's a there's a market limit, there's a market cop, and you cannot really go higher than that. Like, you know, if you all of a sudden charge hundred thousand dollars per month for you know uh lead ad, you know, on Facebook, nobody will pay you that money. That's just insane. That's above the market, right? So so you can scale your price. You know, the profit is the difference between the price and the cost, right? So the diff here that that kind of empty space is your profit. So if you increase the price, your profit goes up, right? Now, so that's one dial. Now, dial number two is lower the cost. So again, same idea, right? The difference here, the empty space, you lower the cost, your profit goes up with the same prices being kept, right? So you keep the same prices, you're not increasing them, you lower the cost, your profit goes up, right? If you can manage or optimize both, obviously that space gets a little bit, you know, even, even better, right? And then the third dial, which most people forget completely is the efficiency bit which is how can I do more in the time that and the cost that I have? To give you an example, a lot of agencies will spend a lot of time on reporting, a lot of which is most of the time unnecessary. A lot of the time, a lot of agencies will spend a lot of time onboarding clients. So let's say you onboard, you know, to onboard a client it takes you a month to start, you know, launching a campaign on Facebook as whatever, you know, get assets, everything else. If you are more, or more efficient, so if you increase, let's say, if you cut the, the time you need to onboard a client from four weeks to two weeks. And let's assume you have three team members. Each member costs you $3,000. So you have $9,000 in cost. And then you land the client for $5,000 per month. So your month, first month, you're actually negative, right? You spend $9,000 for your team members. You have a client for 5K, you're $4,000 negative, right? But if you can onboard two clients per month with the same team, all of a sudden you have two clients at $10,000, same cost structure at $9,000, you're positive 1,000. And obviously this is a very simple, a basic example, but that's exactly, you know, but that what it means to be more efficient, right? So we pay a lot of attention, you guys should pay a lot of attention at how can I optimize what I do, make it faster, make it more efficient, make it in a re repeatable way. So those are the three aspects. Again, it, it's kind of like a 3D matrix, right? So we have the three categories here, three categories here, and then three uh, types of tasks within each category. Is this making sense? Yeah, I love it. This is honestly like, yeah, I'm super excited to keep hearing the rest of it. The clarity I think this brings is, uh, is awesome. Cool, awesome. So then, you know, foundations, we start with very basic stuff as well. 
the things that a lot of you know agency owners don't pay attention to, which is check back, you know, check your bank and check check your prices. So again, when it comes to prices, you just make have to make sure you're not undercharging. Like how many of you guys are know you guys know you're undercharging? You're not charging enough. I'm sure AJ, you jump on a call with someone or you talk to them in a group and they're like, oh, I charge 300 bucks. Like, what are you doing? You cannot yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to want, you know, I'm not going to land a client if I, if I charge more. Yes, you will. And you just have to find a different client or position yourself differently, you know, just share, uh, position yourself more valuable than the 300 bucks. So you have to make sure that you're priced yourself according to the market, not below the market. Right. And then, so that's number one. Number two, you have to check your bank for unnecessary costs. I did this exercise with so many agencies and we just look at the statements for the past you know, three to six months, credit cards and bank statements. And we ask them to cut everything that is not directly delivering the business right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of you guys out there who are like, oh, you know, I'm going to just buy Kajabi because it's on sale for Black Friday, just in case I need it next year because right. I'm planning about doing that. Right. I have all these tools, you know, from AppSumo, whatever. I'm just buying all these deals that da, 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 da. I never use those. Right. How many of you guys have done this? I've done this myself, but then you pay every month, every year renewal for something that you have ne never used or will not use. If you need it, once you need it, once you're confident that you need to go and buy access to this or this or that, then go and buy it at that time. The reason why I want you guys to go check your bank account is to make sure that you're not spending money on something that is just not necessary. It's, heavy, it's weighing you down. And that's part of that discussion of like lowering the cost of running your business. Once you lower the cost and save a little bit of money, what you can do, you can hire help. You can hire a VA. You can hire a VA at, you know, 5, 15, 25 bucks, depending on the location and what they're supposed to do, right? And now you have the money because you're not spending on BS stuff that you're not using. You can actually hire help to do the mundane, the repetitive administrative tasks, right? And this is how you get your eight hours back every week. This is crucial because if you only work in your business, not on your business, you will never grow because you will always be at your client's mercy. You know, you wake up in the morning, you get an email from the client, they want this, you're like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. And then you cannot do your marketing stuff, you cannot do your podcast, you cannot do this, you cannot do LinkedIn, you know, content, nothing like that, because you're still in the weeds and boots on the ground when it comes to running, being in the business, right? So once you have these three things, which are, you know, part of the grow and scale, you have the capacity to scale, you have the capacity to grow, right? So you move to the next stage, which is, or to the next category, lead generation marketing sales, right? There's recently, MailChimp did actually a massive, massive survey, you know, with agencies and freelancers. They found out something that's nothing new, that you, you should be focusing on one thing in the beginning. You should be niching down. You should be specializing in what you do. You should be an expert in what you do. You're three times more likely to increase your profitability by 26% if you specialize. So if you're just a generalist doing everything, SEO, web design, logo, da, 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 all those things, you know, there's just not enough specialization. You'll see why this is a problem and this will lower your profitability, especially in the beginning. So you have to focus on the one thing. You have to be expert at what you do and then push that as much as, as possible. Which brings me to another topic, which is you know packaging your services and niching down and, and making sure your offers are tuned in, right? So AJ, I'm sure and all of will know this, you know, no matter how beautiful your ads are, no matter how beautiful your funnel is, no matter how smooth it is, if your offer sucks, the whole thing won't work. Your offer is really, really important. You, you create and craft the offer in a perfect way only if you know what your niche is and only if you package your services properly, right? If you don't know how to sell things, if you keep you know, changing things based on the, the, the needs of the, of the client, then this is not a good way to do it. I'll give you an example that I often use is that like, you know, let's go, let's say you go, you want to go buy a car, right? And then you go there and like, oh, you know, do you have a car with three wheels? And then, you know, people will look at you as like, 
hell no, we don't have those. Like, oh, can you do it for me? I'm, you know, I have money. No, they don't do it because why they don't do it? Because it makes no zero sense for the business model, right? So the same way you should treat your business the same way. You should have your process and your policy and your approach and your framework. And if a client comes in and say, hey, can you add cake to it? I'm like, no, we don't do that, right? Oh, I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, go ahead. Because if you keep on doing bespoke customization, bespoke stuff, customized projects are just not scalable, right? So if you have to reinvent your wheel every single time and kind of apply different approaches, you are not efficient. Where you're not efficient, your, your profitability goes down, right? So you have to really package your services properly, niche down and have those offers uh, dialed in. The next bit is organic leads. You know, that's something, you know, AJ, you can probably talk for hours about this one. You have to be proactive about building your business. You cannot be reactive. You cannot be relying solely on, on referrals. Referrals are great. The close rate is amazing. 80, 90% when someone refers you, that's amazing. I'm not saying this is bad. You have to do you know, referrals properly as well. But if, you, if you're not looking at you know, having those organic leads uh, coming in consistently, there you will not grow your business. And you will be able to do that because you have your eight hours back in every week, right? So you, you can focus for eight hours on building a business, right? A full day of building your business. The next step, which is ops and delivery, operations and delivery. What we suggest is kind of looking at starting a hybrid business model. And hybrid business models is just adding a, you know, you have done for you and then you have the done with you, right? So some sort of a done with you um, opportunity. The reason why I say that is done with you is very scalable as well as very often you can actually downsell your clients to a done with you solution, right? So once you have them on the call, and once you pitch them $5,000 per month and say, oh, no, that's a little bit above our budget, you can say, hey, what if we added you to our program where we teach people how to do exactly this? And that's going to be only two and a half K. You get exactly the access to exactly the same team. It's just you press the buttons and not us. And then all of a sudden, you kind of anchor them at $5,000. They get a deal, access to the same team for two and a half K. You build this as a group consulting, group, group coaching program, group you know, delivery program, right? So you have two clients like that. It's 5K at the same time, right? So start looking at opportunities for you to build a hybrid business model to adding that second leg of the done with you programs. Then another thing, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, so I couldn't resist by putting contracts here. It's a very, very important piece. Those of you who do not have proper contracts and those of you who are working month to month on retainers are just not in a good business model, okay? This is not scalable. This is not sustainable, this is not safe. If you're waking up on Monday just to, you know, kind of scared open to open your email inbox, just, you know, because there might be information that they're terminating your contract next week or next month, that is not a good business to be in. You have to have long-term contracts, at least three months. Three months is the very minimal. All the agencies that I work with, we move them to six months uh, and 12 months and, and, and more, right? And it's not about locking people in. There's obviously a benefit of, you know, selling a month to month it's easier to sell that probably but it's not about locking people in it's about forecasting it's about you know security of your business about the long-term relationship with the client those of you who are now selling month to month you can still sell month to month but you can say hey you know we will do month to month just to prove that we can deliver what we have but after you know month three we have we will we will need to sign a, a long-term contract right so you can still use that same kind of you know sales process to sell and then move those clients to a long-term contract. It's very, very important. You know, you can forecast better. You can hire people. If you have an only month-to-month -month retainers, you really do not have a business. You have constant promotion because you never know who's going to leave the next month, right? If I have six contracts at $60,000 each for six months, for six months, I don't have to really do anything or, you know, be worried about 
a thing in my business, right? Because I know exactly how much money I have. I know exactly what I need to uh, pitch more and then do more, you know, regeneration. I know exactly when to hire, who to hire, who I can afford to hire, right? And I'm not afraid of, of my clients uh, leaving because there is a contract in place, right? So very, very important piece. You really hit on a big pain point there with the audience on the whole waking up Monday morning thinking like, oh, I hope my clients don't terminate, right? Because a lot of people really do operate like that. I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, hey, like, well, how do I sign a six, 12 month contract off the bat? But just to back up for a second, I really want to emphasize what you said was brilliant. You can always start someone on a month to month if you're worried about that objection, like, hey, they need to build trust first, but then set the expectation that you're going to move to a long-term contract later, right? That works pretty well, you know, and that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're just starting out and you don't have many, too many case studies and, you know, too many testimonies and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's harder to sell your, your service, obviously, right? So allowing people to kind of, you know, see what you have to offer and see that, that you can deliver uh, makes a lot of sense, but don't do it forever, right? So make sure that in the beginning, already in the sales process, you mentioned this, hey guys, we do give you a month to month, three months kind of runway, but after three months, if you're happy, we're signing a, a long-term contract. When I say long-term, again, that can be another three months, that can be a six months, that can be 12 months. So the higher you can push, the better. Speaking of that, what we do, we always incentivize clients to sign a longer term contract. We give them discounts for signing 12 months or six months or 18 months contract, because that is, yes, we're losing, let's say losing $10,000 in a year by giving them incentive. They saved in grand for them. It's like, oh my gosh, we just saved in grand. But we have a lot of security in our business again, and forecasting all those things are just totally worth it, right? So we use a, a contract calculator, maybe, you know, a topic for another discussion, AJ, where we on the fly talking to a client on the Zoom, we can pull it up and show, you know, this is the incentive, this is how much, you know, we're saving. And I can see on the back end of it as well, how much we're, we're making in the year, which puts us in a really good negotiation position. So we always incentivize. It's not like we say, well, it's going to be $5,000 for a month. What about if we sign a contract for six months? Well, $5,000 as well. No, we give them a discount. It's going to be 35 or 4,000, whatever, right? Yeah, that's how we help them kind of get on the on the other side. That's the bid for the foundations. And what you guys can do right now, those of you who are in this bracket of you know zero to twenty-five, what you can go, you can go here and just tick the boxes that are you know already done. You're like, yeah, I checked my prices. Oh, I don't have help, so don't do that. Oh, I need to do this, so don't check this. Yeah, I'm focusing one thing, whatever, right? So check the boxes that are already in your business, and then focus on the other ones that are not, right? So that's that's how it works. This should also help you, you know, plan your quarter let's say you know we're in the the last quarter of the year if you want to kind of you know finish with, with a bank properly you should focus on those things right those things will help you decide what you should be focusing on right now to give you a, a little bit of an idea of how long, how long it takes usually on average to implement and do those things certain things are easier like this one is like i don't know two weeks the other pieces might be you know one, might take you four to six weeks each box to kind of focus on it right because we only have eight hours every week to work on those things. So that's why it takes so, so long time, right? such a long time. So every single bit here will take you, you know, four to six weeks. And this should, knowing that this should allow you to plan your quarter properly. Because very often what we do is like we over plan and then disappointed that we didn't deliver everything that we plan, but sometimes we just overshoot the goal. Anyway, so that's, those are the foundations. And then when it comes to growth, we again, start from the left. So. You have to be a dad, not really, but uh, this is this is just an acronym for elite, automate, and delegate, right? You start, you have to keep on finding those areas where you can 
remove things from your plate. As the business right. owner, you really have to work on the business, not in the business as much as possible. And those of you who have been in the corporate, who have been managers, you know the rule number one for managers is that if you have any delivery deli deliverable tasks on your plate, then you're screwed as a manager. Your, your job as a manager, your job as a business owner is to manage, is to grow and not necessarily to deliver things in your business, okay? So you have to find the ways to delete, automate, or delegate your tasks. What we do here, there's a cool, very cool exercise that I recommend you, you put all your tasks in two columns, right? So you have put two, two columns. Column number one is everything that feels heavy, that is heavy in your business. And column number two, everything that is light. So heavy means like, I don't like doing this, takes too much time, whatever, you know, painful. Light, I love doing this, brings a lot of money, all those things, right? Anything in the heavy column, that means you should probably get rid of this as soon as possible. And again, look at those things, look at those tasks, those items and think, okay, do I really need to do those? Maybe you really don't, would my business survive and thrive if I, you know, if, if I deleted this? If the answer is yes, completely delete, why would you have it then, right? It's a kind of a sense check, right? If you cannot delete, look at those, okay, well, can I automate them? Is there any option for me to do some automation, right? If yes, and awesome. If not, then only then look at delegating that to someone else, right? So maybe you have to hire someone else. Maybe you have to use the VA you, you already have and things like that, right? So delete the uh, automate delegate, right? Then we are trying to raise prices, right? So here we had the prices according to the market or a little bit below because we're just starting out. At this point, we should already have case studies, testimonials, proven track record of things. So we are in a position where we can raise prices. And again, remember, you know, raising prices above your current cost structure will give you more profits, right? So that's very important. We have to be executing fast. A lot of people are just too slow in, you know, if you have an idea, if you have, you know, if you want to do things, if you want to try something, execute fast, fail fast, or win fast, right? You have to, you just stop overcomplicating things. When it comes to lead generation and stuff like that, you have to start creating and not consuming. At this stage, you're still learning how the ropes are running the business. You're still learning, oh, what should I do? This funnel, that funnel. At this point, you should start creating. You have to be on the creation side of things. When it comes to content, when it comes to funnel, when it comes to being a leader in your industry, right? We tend to consume too much. We keep on learning and learning. Oh, what's the best funnel? What's Alex Hormozzi says? What this and that? I keep learning, but we never implement. Stop listening and start telling people what to do. You have to become a leader, not a follower, right? And obviously that's not going to happen overnight, but you have to kind of make that switch. Like all of a sudden, you know, if you're 25 or 50K per month, that's, that means you're doing something good. That means you can deliver results. That means your clients are enjoying working with you, right? So start talking about it. Start, start being proud about it. Like, hey guys, we just, you know, made 50K for this client and in Black Friday month, whatever. You know, just be on the creation side of things, right? You know, get your Twitter ready, get your LinkedIn ready and put the content out there instead of consuming the content. I'm not saying you shouldn't read or you shouldn't learn, you shouldn't, you know, explore. I'm just saying be more on the creation side of things and be more vocal about who you are what you do versus be in the shadows of like, oh, I'm just going to learn this thing and I'm going to be great. No, there's no such thing as waiting. The agencies that do the best and grow the most are the ones that have excellent offers, great marketing and great sales systems. Now, the customer acquisition process can be really hard to master. There's a lot that goes into generating leads, closing deals, building a sales team, especially since our industry is so competitive and there's so many agencies and freelancers out there. It makes it really hard to stand out and grow and win, you know, the clients that you want. Now, fortunately, we've created a free Facebook community with trainings, weekly live sessions, and tons of really valuable networking opportunities with six, seven, and eight figure agency owners. You can find it here on Facebook at B2B Sales and Marketing Secrets. So right now, go to Facebook, 
do a search and type in B2B sales and marketing secrets. Or you can just add me on Facebook, AJ Casada, and find a link on my profile. There's also a free mini course inside on how to generate more leads, close more deals, and scale your agency. I highly recommend you join. It'll only take one minute. And if you ever need any questions or need advice, just email me at aj at revenueboost.net. So again, if you ever want to drop me a question, email me at aj at revenueboost.net. I love helping agencies and sharing ideas about how they can grow further. And again, go join our free Facebook community, guys. It's so valuable. We have great trainings in there, great posts, and tons and tons of content that we don't normally share with the public. So go to the Facebook group right now, B2B Sales and Marketing Secrets. Drop me a message once you're in there. I'd love to connect with our community members and check out the video trainings and the free course we have inside. See you there. Now back to the show. I like how you made the distinction between how in the beginning stages, under 25k a month, like you should be learning a lot because at that point, the business is really a reflection of like your skill set. Like you need to learn the hard skills, but then as you grow, it's more less about your skill set, more about your team, your strategy, how you're operating the business, and more about yeah, at this point, creating. So I think it's great. I'm really just I'm just glad you pointed that out. I want to emphasize it because I think it's personally for me. I feel like and from clients I've worked with, I feel like it can come from. Sometimes imposter syndrome thinking like, I need to know more, I need to be better, I need to do more, right? So I think a lot of times it really is rooted in like self-doubt, like I need to consume more content, right? 100%, you know, and then this is kind of like a, I call it the Mount Everest syndrome. So you let's say you're you're going to Mount Everest and you're like, let's say you're you're halfway there. And like, oh my gosh, I wish I was on a, on a peak. I wish I was already there. I wish I was on the top. But then there's a people behind you. That they're like, oh, I wish I was halfway. <laughs> so, yeah, right. so, so, so you are already. You don't have to be on a peak. Wait for the for the be the best, you know, in the world. To already tell other people what to do to be where you are, right? So that is a is enough for you to be a few steps ahead of them. Tell them, hey, use this, use that, use this, use this tool, use this this technique, use this use this strategy. And you're completely right, AJ. I mean. You know, when you're starting out here and you're alone, let's say you're kind of like you're freelancing, right? But you have to move yourself out of that freelancing seat to a business owner seat, right? And then you hire other freelancers to work for you, right? To do, to press all the buttons, to do all these things for you. And then you have to be really the one who's putting the effort into creating things online, creating, you know, the brand, right? So, and then obviously at this point, we have the money, you know, to launch the ads, you know, pay some some money for automation and, and stuff like that. This is all about you know organic leads and reaching out to people, talking on DMs and things like that. This is more automation. This is more you know cold email. This is or you know automating you know LinkedIn and stuff like that. The reason why we automate things is because now we know what's working. We have tested it out at this stage. We know what's working. We just accelerate that by automating and putting you know and launching paid ads at this point because we know our angle is working. We know our messaging is working. We know you know our service and offer are tuned in. We know exactly what to sell, right? So that's why we can spend some money, put some money behind those efforts, right? And then when it comes to operations and delivery, we already started documenting processes here. The easiest way to document processes, and guys, please, if you're just, if you're here and you hear about the MSOPs and our operating procedures, how important they are, please do not spend too much time on this at this point. Just document the steps and don't overcomplicate your things. Here, you will need to have a proper process replicable process for your team members to follow, right? So you have to move from just documenting processes to creating a full-blown procedures for them to follow, okay? The easiest way to create processes is just document what you do. So as a freelancer, you just document. The easiest way I found is just, you know, fire up Loom, you know, just start recording everything you do. And then at the end, as your VA yourself, you know, kind of put those steps 
on paper say, you know, if you're doing audience research, do this, step one, step two, step three, step four, right? Then you hire someone, you give it to them and you, you, and you shut up, you let them run with this, right? You say, hey, can you do all this research based on this? And they come back to you with questions. And those questions are very valuable because this is how you tweak your procedure to make it bulletproof, right? And then you give it to them, they run with this and you see, okay, is the result that they got through this procedure exactly what I would have gotten? If the answer is yes, then you you have a perfect procedure. If not, you just tweak things around and then have, have them run with it again, right? So you, you have two or three iterations of that process, you will end up having great procedures. So don't overcomplicate procedures as well. Standardize your services and processes even more. Like I said, you want to have kind of a, a factory. You want to have, this is the client, this is the package we sell them, this is how we deliver. You have to standardize your approach. The more standardized you are, the faster you can deliver, the faster you can deliver, the, the more efficient you are, the more clients you can onboard, the, the faster you will get them the results, the better testimonies you will have, right? So you have to standardize your processes and stick to them, right? Whatever that means, if that's payment terms, if that's delivery, uh, you know, whatever that is, make sure that you have your own framework and you stick to it no matter what your client wants. And then you expand your team, right? So you maybe had a VA here, now this is a time for you to hire people. You have the money to do it. You don't want to be a freelancer. You want to hire people who will press those buttons for you instead of you so that you can focus on growing the business, okay? So that's another, you know, end of another layer, which is the 25, 50K growth. 50K plus, this is all about optimization. At this point, you're like really seasoned operator, right? So you optimize everything. You tune in. You kind of squeeze the last, you know, drops of optimization. Right? So we are scaling our ads, we're expanding our channels. So let's say we had, we were visible on LinkedIn and we're, we're running you know, Facebook ads. Now we're also adding Twitter to you know, create content. We're also adding Instagram ads. We're also adding LinkedIn ads, whatever. So we're expanding channels. We're expanding our exposure, right? We're optimizing our products even more, right? So services, products, we're, we, it's all about optimization. We'll see like, okay, well, we got these results for these clients based on that. Well, maybe you should tweak it a little bit, right? So make sure you, you keep optimizing. We optimize our funnels. And then this is a big one, numbers and dashboards. A lot of agencies will react to what's happening. They will not look proactively into the future what they want to achieve. They will not look at the goals that they have. They're kind of like, oh, you know, we got 10 clients this year. Great, that's 50K. And then the next one, they're like six clients. Oh, that's 30K. So if you have the goals, you know, what's not planned, it's not, and not measured, it's not achieved, right? So you have, if you have goals and the dashboards to, you know, track the goals against, to track your activities against the goals, then this is, it's just going to happen, right? So you have to have the goals. You have to have dashboards. We have, you know, the financial forecasts and dashboards and stuff like that. You have to be really very detailed on it and really pay a lot of attentions to num attention to numbers and your goals for the quarter, for the month, for the week, whatever that is. Otherwise it would just won't happen. So make sure you again, go into an attack mode instead of react mode, right? Go in and attack the goal instead of wait for the goal to happen right to you. And then Obviously, you know, COVID happened and then, you know, economy downturn, all those things. Yeah, those things are not happening to you. They just happen on the market. You just, you have to attack the market differently because of the market circumstances, right? So that's very important to be on the offense and to be on the offense, you have to know what is the goal, you know, which is, which side of the, of the spectrum we have to go towards, right? So numbers and dashboard are very important. Streamline onboarding. At this point, you're getting a lot of new clients coming in, you know, because of your uh, lead generation efforts. You have to make sure your onboarding is on point. You're not losing any clients uh, because of that. As we scale, we have a tendency, there's a tendency to 
our quality of delivery to drop a little bit. So you have to pay attention to that. So, so make sure you, you're paying attention to it. That's why when we say, you know, optimize your delivery, make sure that, you know, because we hire more people, those people might not be the best fit to, you know, to deliver, make sure you um, have everything in check and you're not allowing this to happen. Most of you are ambitious and perfectionists here as a freelancer, you do everything perfectly. You do, you do work 60, 80 hours per week. And then as you hire new people, they will never pay as much attention to what or detail to what they do as you do in your business, right? So there is a tendency again to for the delivery quality to drop. So you have to make sure you give them the SLPs. We have to make sure you manage them differently. You have to make sure you pay attention to the quality of the output, because if that is neglected, then you will start losing clients, right? And the last bit is upgrading your team. You see the difference? This was expanding team, so hire more people. At this point, you don't necessarily have to hire more people. You just have to upgrade them one for one sometimes, right? So if someone is a good operator at 25 or 50K, it doesn't mean they're going to be great at running a business at 100K. So you might need to swap people with a different skill set and different mindset and different capabilities, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to hire more people. And this is the beauty of it because usually growing an agency means you have to grow your team as well to deliver, right? The way we look at it is that we grow the bottom that is easily trainable and replaceable, and we keep the top, you know, very, very sharp and very, very happy, right? So we don't change those people too often. These people on the bottom who are pressing the buttons, the freelancers who work for us, these are easily trainable because we have, you know, the SOPs and everything else. And if we lose someone like that, it's not a big deal. We just get someone else in it, train them, and they're good to go quickly, right? So that's in a natural, I don't know, this is probably the fastest way I can talk about it. <laughs> this is in the natural 27 activities. Again, three different le levels of what you should be focusing on, three different categories of, of those activities and three different dimensions. So cost optimization, sales and efficiency. You go from organic to paid. You go from just being you and then to having and managing a team. And you go from you know foundations through growth to optimization on what you do. That was basically two x speed, but I know we yeah we wanted to, right. we wanted to power through it so we could uh, we could uh, chat a bit. But yeah, have a drink of water. You just talked for like twenty minutes straight. <laughs> now there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. I'm thinking like which direction to go. We want to talk about because yeah, there's so much useful stuff in here and things that I'm definitely taking notes and to share with my team too. I want to just clarify that last bit. So when you said upgrade the team. First of all, totally agree. Like I know that I, I've realized that myself that sometimes someone could get you here and then you kind of outgrow them or the business outgrows them. A buddy of mine that has a $30, $40 million company, he's went through several evolutions of this. And he was saying, now I just hired a whole new executive team and I think they'll get us to $100 million, but then not past there. So like, it, it really is like, you just kind of, some, some people evolve with you, some people don't, and that's, that's okay, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, like you said, sometimes the business you know, outgrows the, the team members and they're no longer a good fit for that moment. So sometimes you, know, you just have to upgrade them. It's, uh, it might be a little bit of a painful emotional process, especially if you had those people you know, kind of you know, go from here with you to here and then all of a sudden they're no longer hungry or they're no longer, their skill set is just not a fit, you know, $150,000 per month business. And you just have to exchange them for someone else who's a better fit for it, right? But that's exactly it. You know, someone, again, the activities that took you to 25K are completely different than activities that are, you know, making you 100, 150K per month. Same with the team, the team that brought you there doesn't necessarily mean it's the same team that, you know, needs to go here, right? So again, using analogy of different, you know, of the, of the Mount Everest, you know, if you climb a smaller mountain, you know, both are climbers, but, you know, both have ropes, both have the gear, but it's just, they don't have the skill set to kind of climb the high mountain. So, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's okay. So I think just recognizing it, right? Knowing that's okay. But yeah, of course, yeah. it's definitely hard in the moment. I mean, I had to let someone go just today, just a couple hours ago, and it's never, never fun. But you know, at the end of the day, you have to kind of prioritize what the what the business needs, right? But yeah, so I think, well, first of all, anyone that's tuning in on the live stream and the Facebook group, just type live if you're in a live, if you're watching the replay, type replay. Anyone has questions, drop them below. We'll definitely have some time for questions. Yeah. Real quick, I think um, while we're checking for questions, first of all, I just love how this is like just such a clear blueprint of like what to do at each stage of growth. Because I think we hear little bits of information online. You know, everything now is like YouTube shorts, Instagram shorts. It's all these 30 second clips that have advice that are out of context. So like I say this all the time to, to our group as well, like you have to do the right thing at the right time. And it's not always easy to know, but doing the right thing at the wrong time can hurt you, right? Like if you launch ads too early, when you start your business, you're going to burn a bunch of money because you haven't figured out your niche, your packaging, your offers yet, right? So I just think this is great because yeah, there's, there's so much of that like fast paced content in today's world. And we hear all these pieces of business advice, all these strategies, and they all sound good, but it's like, you got to just do the right thing at the right time and focus on it. So I, I love how you just laid out, laid all that out. 100%. You know what? I think the other thing is that it just gives us that peace of mind because, you know, when we wake up in the morning, you're like, what the hell do I do today? Like, yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't know where to start. I don't know what's going to, like, I have these, you know, coaching calls with my clients all the time. They're like, well, what do I focus on? Now? And then that should give you the clarity because when you don't know what to focus on, also you're prone to jump on the next shiny object. You know, you see someone else telling you, oh, you should be doing messenger ads. You should be doing this. And yeah. they will push it. And they will push it as the, the one and only solution that, is, that you're missing. And obviously that's great marketing, right? But that's not necessarily what is good for your business, right? So when you have a plan and when you know exactly what you should be doing, you know exactly, you know, dashboards and numbers, you know exactly what the goal is, you know exactly how to break down the goal into smaller pieces and what you should be focusing today, then you know that this piece, you know, the new webinar, the new tool, whatever, if it doesn't fit your goal, it doesn't fit your plan, then that means it's just a distraction for you. And then, so it just gives you a massive peace of mind as well. I was like, oh, you know, I know exactly what to work on. I'm sure you guys are overwhelmed all the time, right? When, But when you're overwhelmed, you're not efficient. You don't know what to do and you just jump from task to task. But then you, when you're focused, you can really deliver. You can really achieve the goal. You can really achieve the whatever that is, you know, write a content piece or whatever that is. I think this gives that clarity. This gives also that peace of mind of like, I know I'm on the right track. I know what, what I'm doing. I know what I should be focusing on. And that will also help with your mindset, right? Because mm -hmm. mindset is crucial for this. You know, you will feel more clarity, more, you know, happier. You know, once you have implemented those activities, you will see the results. Once you see the results, you're like, you know, it's just, a, it's a cycle that keeps you, you know, growing instead of getting you more confused, right? So I think that's the other benefit of this kind of worksheet and focus, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like at first, it wouldn't look like a mindset worksheet, but it really is, right? Because I, I totally hear you. Like when I feel clear about where I'm going to next and how I'm going to get there, and I know just what I have to do, it's like the best feeling, right? It's like I just have to do it now, right? I just right. have to walk up the mountain. Uh, but I think, yeah, where people really struggle, where you get caught, is like not knowing what to do, feeling really overwhelmed. Um, and I think I think it's a really insight, really interesting insight you pointed out that like shiny object syndrome is really rooted in, in not having a plan or a clear goal. Because once you have that plan or clear goal, you just got to follow it. It's just like when you don't really have a plan, you just take whatever comes your way that sounds cool, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and one other thing about upgrading the team and in general hiring, because I've, I've done a lot of projects within that space, is that very often we have to get rid of a team member that's not no longer a good fit. And even though, you know, they build the business with us up to this point and, you know, their family and all those emotions. But very often keeping them, kind of forcing them to work with us, even though they're not the best fit for the business we're in, 
or the stage we're in is actually making them a disservice because they would really shine in some other business. They would really shine in some other area or business model or stage of the business. But by keeping them with us, we also not only not helping our business, but also keeping them very dissatisfied, even though they think, oh, you, you know, they're happy and, you know, they, you're paying their mortgage or whatever, like long-term, like high level kind of, you know, perspective, you're just not giving them any, any valuable benefits of, of this working relationship, you know, because you will keep growing, they will keep staying and then that's, it will not get anywhere. Right. So it's better kind of to release them from it and help them. Obviously we're not saying, oh, you know, get it hell out. Right. But we help yeah. them, you know, we give them termination period and all those things, whatever the circumstances are, but like we help them through that as well. So that's very important to, to kind of, because I've, you know, guided a lot of clients through those moments of like, oh, I need to fire my, you know, one of my best team members that I really truly really love as a brother or sister, whatever, but like, and then it's very emotional, right? But knowing, right. having that aspect and knowing that perspective, I think that helps to get over this as well and, and have a, you know, kind of fruitful conversation with them. Great point. If, if they're not working out in your company, then they probably realize it too. And it's, it's a, it's a lose-lose, right? Like they should be somewhere else where they can shine. So that's, um, so yeah, looking back at some of the 27 power activities here, let's talk about, um, package service niche and offers. Um, what would you say? And I'm sure you, cause I've had a lot of, you know, coaching clients like this, I'm sure you've had a ton where they're like, like, I have to be custom, like to, for me to deliver my thing, like I can't package it. Like they, they almost like, like, what would you say to someone who resists it or doesn't believe that they could package their, their service up? Cause it's so customer bespoke. I thought the same thing, you know, when I started with consulting, I was like, no, it has to be one-on-one. It has to be all those things. Now I work with a group consulting kind of setting. It's hard. I mean, sometimes, obviously, let's say, you know, you're interior designer, that has to be custom stuff, like some of the stuff where you like, you know, things like that. But at the same time, within interior designer space or within web design, there are elements that you can keep stable or keep your framework or approach, right? So it, it can be you can productize or package your services in a way in the and you can productize delivery of how you deliver that. So there's no, right. you know, how many revisions do you offer? You know, what tools do you use? You know, I'm sure you guys have worked with clients that are like, oh no, we don't use Slack, we use Boxer. Can we box you? Like, sure. Yeah. No, we use no, we no. use Slack. Yeah, this is our policy. This is our approach. I love using analogies. I hope those are not annoying. But again, going back to buying a car, let's say you go buy a car, like they will give you and then you want to finance it. They will give you a set of requirements for you to meet to finance the car. And if you don't meet those requirements, you don't want to follow their policy, you'll just not buy the car. They will not sell it to you. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the same approach to your, you know, how you package delivery of your products. This is our approach. We use Slack, we use Asana, we use ClickUp, whatever that is. And this is how we do those things because this is how we can control the quality and the output of the of what we do. If you, dear client, are not willing to meet us here and do those things according to our policy, our standards, then we cannot work together, right? Because otherwise you end up talking to this client on Voxer, which is a terrible idea. This client on WhatsApp, this client on Slack, this client on Asana, and I'm like, what the hell is happening in my business, yeah. right? So I'm not answering to your question directly. I'll just point on, on this in a moment, but you know, it's not necessarily about packaging your service, and then, but also how you deliver them, right? But to quickly answer your question, I thought the same thing about my services and how I cannot do certain things, you know, replicable kind of package. It has to be spoke. You know, it's hard to make it package service when you do consulting, but this is how I package my ideas. Look, this is a package. This is how I was able to distill everything that I do. And if clients ask me another question, I'm like, you know what, why don't we focus on this and see if that question is still 
valid after we do this? Why don't we focus on these things that, you know, trust me and trust my process, right? So we do, we, there's a lot of room for us to package and streamline everything that we do instead of just doing the customization, right? Because you just have to look at, okay, I'm looking at the fights for my past five clients. What is the common denominator? What were the things that worked for them? What were the things that we did exactly the same with all of them? All of them, that is your main, that is your kind of foundation. The rest, you cut it out and see if I only focus on those things, can I deliver the same results multiple times for different clients? If the answer is yes, then you got it. You got a nice package. The rest is a nice to have. And what's cool about nice to haves is that you can charge more for the nice to have. Oh, you also want this? Sure, that's going to be 500 bucks per hour. Great. You deliver the core and then everything else is an upsell, right? Or a downsell, yeah. whatever that is. That's my approach. But again, I think there's there are you know some industries or some areas of the service that are more packageable and the yeah. ones that are less packageable. But I would argue that everything can be packaged, you know, replicable process. Yeah, I, I found the same thing too. I think you hit the nail on the head. It definitely can be hard, especially something like we do with like consulting, right? An example that comes to mind is a lot of our clients are creative agencies. They do branding, design, video. They're like, how, how do I package this? It's, it's you know different every time with the client's vision, but you can always package it. You can always package something. What I'm hearing from what you're saying is like, it might not always be that perfect. Here's my one product, my one offer, but you can get as close to that as you can, right? Yeah, cool. Last question before we wrap up, tell people where they can find you. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that whole, you know, when you're under 25K a month and you're doing a lot of work and you don't really have time to work on the business, right? So like, you know, obviously, ideally, yeah, we start to work more on the business, but finding the time to even work on the business. So from what I understood from your, you know, your philosophy, it's like, Okay, just very quickly get a VA to buy you like eight hours a week, and that eight hours can be used to work on the business. And really, like I, you know, one thing I tell our clients is like, spend an hour in the morning working on the on the business stuff before the in the business stuff like consumes you, right? So, any thoughts on that? Because I feel a lot of people get stuck in that like going from in to on, and, and I can see why because I, I was there myself in the past too. Yeah. So apart from you know hiring a VA, it's funny because I had this conversation with a client yesterday. My suggestion is that you guys, like you said, focus on your business first, and then on the client. And then again, another analogy, you're on the plane that tell you, you know, if the pressure of the oxygen drops, you will get a mask, you know, dropping from the ceiling, right? You put your mask on first and then help others, right? Right. If you put your mask on your kid's face, they will not be able to help you, right? Because they're just not in a position to do it. But if you do it yourself, you can breathe, you can help other people. And that's exactly it. You know, same with your business, you put a mask on first, and then make sure that you are on the right track, so that you can help your clients moving forward. What it means is that do not start your, you guys, anyone who's working in the agency, this is not an open heart surgery. Nothing in the agency has to be done immediately. If a client emails you, oh, call me immediately. If they text you, if they they call you, you have the chance to just decline the call and just focus on your stuff. So the first hour, I completely agree. First hour in the morning, do not check emails from your clients. Make sure you go through the goals for the day and start implementing those goals. Plan your day and then respond to emails to your clients. You know, jumping right into communication with clients responding mm-hmm. to the to the emails is just not going to help you too much, right? You can you can work in batches, you can work in blogs, you can have look at emails every four hours, for example. So you respond to emails twice a day, you know, and then at noon and then at four p.m., for example, right? So nobody is waiting for for an answer longer than than four hours, which is a great response time anyway, right? So make sure you do your work on the business first because that will move your business forward every single day, and then you go and help your clients. Again, it's not an open heart surgery. You don't have to rush to do things unless someone hacked you, you know, and spending money in a third world country on your credit card, you know, running ads on 
bullshit stuff, sure, that's a fire. But other than that, like yeah. how many times has that happened? You know, a few times maybe, but it's not an everyday situation, right? So completely agree with you, AJ, you know, just focus on your thing first and then help other people. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love, love that. love the analogy. And yeah, no, nothing really is that urgent, right? Like you'll feel such a good sense of control when you do just like say, hey, screw these messages. I'm going to get back to them in four hours. You're going to like, it'll feel weird at first, but then you'll feel great. You'll be like, oh my God, like nothing exploded, right? I actually wasn't right. able to do the thing, you know? Exactly, um, exactly. And you can set that expectation with clients as well. You can say, we answer to, to clients or, you know, both in, in 4 p.m., right? You, you build that expectation, uh, you know, when you start working with them during the onboarding process and everyone's, you know, and everyone's happy, yeah. like, okay, well, if I send you an email at 1 p.m., that means I'm going to get an answer in three hours. That's perfect. Right. Cause the yeah. typical approach is next business day. Right. So. Yeah. That's still even better, but yeah, all the expectations your client have, like you, you really set them in the onboarding process. Right. So um, set, set the ones that fit what you're looking to do. Mike, this is awesome. And we definitely got to have you, have you back on the, on the podcast for sure. More, talk more stuff. I know we could talk for hours, but that was super, super awesome. Like so much value in there and help everyone watching or listening on the podcast took a lot of way. Where can people go find you if they want to learn from you, work with you? LinkedIn or uh, my website, mikecozio.com. M-I-K-E-K-O-Z-I-O-L.com. And then I guess we'll be sharing this Google Sheet as well with others. So this is, you know, there's going to be linked to my website there as well. If, if anyone wants to hang out and uh, chat, I'm more than happy to do it. No strings attached. You know, I'm just, I'm in the business of helping people. If we can work together also on that, that's cool too. Yeah, 100%. You recommend you guys connect with Mike and chat if you're just to work with him. Like he's absolutely wealth and knowledge as you can see. So definitely recommend getting in touch, but we'll link all that down below. And uh, thanks again for uh, coming on the show, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening and tell us what you think. It really motivates us a lot to make more episodes and helps us out a ton with getting the show out there. Now, if you're trying to grow and get more clients and you'd like me and my team to help you come up with a personalized growth strategy for your agency, we can help. Head over to revenueboost.net slash contact and you can book a growth call with my team. This will be a one-on-one call where we'll show you what's working right now when it comes to generating leads, booking calls, and acquiring clients at scale. And you can learn about our programs where we can work with you to help your agency scale and get you more dream clients. Again, head over to revenueboost.net slash contact and see you on the next episode.